Well, the Big 12 basketball season continues on. We are through the first full week of February, and let's dive into it. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports, covering the Big 12. He is Matthew Postens, our lead Big 12 basketball writer, and we are just about a month away from the Big 12 basketball tournament getting underway. So another great week of hoops. Uh, Matthew, we start off this show each and every week talking about the best game in the Big 12. I'll go first. I'm going to be selfish here, and uh, I'm going to take Kansas and Kansas State. Big Monday, K-State losing four straight. KU's coming off of that wildly emotional win. I mean, Allen Fieldhouse was on fire Saturday against Houston. And, um, you know, K-State ends up storming back in that game. I thought it was over early in the second half when uh, KU went up 10 points. And I'm like, okay, this is what we expected. KU is going to win this thing. But got to give a lot of credit to Tyler Perry and this Kansas State team for coming back the way they did. Before you give me your game of the week, what'd you make of that game and the turnout there? Yeah, just a... You know, just they found a way down the stretch to extend that game. Uh, I felt like Kansas kind of stopped executing offensively to a certain degree there in the final couple of minutes. They made some mistakes. Kansas State made some mistakes. And really, the last four minutes of regulation and overtime was really about which team made the fewest mistakes. And Kansas State made about one or two fewer. Um, Mm -hmm. I was really kind of surprised at the lack of execution for Kansas down the stretch. But Kansas State found ways to get to the foul line. They shot extremely well at the free throw line in the second half. They finally found a way to stop minimizing their turnovers. And they did a, they did a, they did a serviceable job keeping the rest of Kansas off the glass, aside from Hunter Dickinson. Uh, they kept the rest of that team off the glass, and that big win for them. They needed it. Yeah. They needed something to kind of propel them into the second half of the season, kind of keep their NCAA hopes alive. They went from being – not even on the bubble, but now they're kind of on that. There's like the first tier of the bubble, the second yes. tier of the bubble. They're on the third tier now, but at least they're in that neighborhood now. And now they've got a chance that they can build some momentum here in the next couple of weeks. And you know what? The great thing about the Big 12 is you have games that can improve your NCAA tournament resume basically every night. So yeah. uh, that's the good thing for Kansas State going into the weekend. Now, by the way, before I get to your game of the week, To everyone watching right now on YouTube, subscribe to the show. Hit that thumbs up as well right below the video. That helps us out more than you realize. You know, I I know you're like, why should I do it? Well, it takes, first off, half a second. And two, it helps us a lot. So thank you for doing that. And, of course, on the podcast, leave that rating, review, subscribe. And we always appreciate our uh, friends and affiliates on the radio show. So, Matthew, uh, your game of the week in the Big 12 was and why? Yeah, I got to go with Texas Tech at Baylor. Um, You know, first of all, Obviously, the first time Scott Drew has met with another former assistant in Grant McCasland. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Baylor had built up some momentum after that three-game losing streak. Tech was in the middle of, a, I think, a two-game losing streak at the time. So they're, they're both trying to, you know, Baylor wants to extend that momentum. Tech's trying to kill it. Um, Tech, was, Tech was a little shorthanded without Warren Washington. But, you know, I thought for about 35 minutes they played a great game. And then... Baylor just shot them out of the gym in the second half. At one point in that game, under four to play, Baylor had shot 72% in the second half of that game. I mean, it was just an incredible display of shooting by them. And still, it took you know a, a, a Joe Toussaint um, offensive foul to get him out of the game with them down six, trying to score a basket to to allow Baylor to win that game. So 
Tech found a way to make it close late, but um, mm -hmm. just, you know, another great atmosphere there at Foster Pavilion. Um, given everything that had happened on Saturday with Scott Drew and with uh, Mac Rhodes and the officiating and everything else, it was a nice win for them. And they need that momentum going into Saturday because they've got to go to Allen and play Kansas. And it's a game day game. So the crew is going to be there. It's going to be a big deal, big atmosphere, just like it was last weekend with Houston. So um, Baylor needed both teams needed that win. But Baylor, I think, needed it just a little bit more. I agree. Like, here's the thing. I, I said about Texas Tech, hey, I, I think they're good, but I got to see more. I'm not going to buy them at five and one. And Tech fans got upset with me when I would say that early in conference play. And now they've lost three in a row. But I'm not sitting here saying I told you so. What I'm actually going to say, and I don't know how you feel about this, is Tech's lost three in a row, but I don't feel any differently about Tech at five and four than I did at five and one. Like, I think you can look at these losses and say, okay, this is still a really good team that's building something and is in a good place to make the NCAA tournament. And that would be a great success in year one of Grant McCaslin. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think to kind of underscore that, both teams had the same exact overall record going into this game. I think they mm -hmm. were both 16 and five. Yeah. I think the only difference was the conference record. Um, the, the bad thing for tech is losing that game. They lost a chance to tie for second place with Iowa state in the conference. And you got to start thinking now, you know, you're, you're like you said, you're a month out from Kansas city. There's four double buys sitting out there in the conference tournament for the top four seeds. You'd love to have that extra rest before you have to play that quarterfinal game. But you know, to me, tech is still the same team. You know, Pop yeah. Isaacs is still shooting really well. They got a great game from Darian Williams the other night. They've got a lot of really good pieces. They still play really good defense. You know, I didn't think it was so much about tech as much as it was just Baylor had a great yes. second half. The adjustments they've made defensively going back to their one three one are really helping their young players defend well. And it was just really a case in the second half where the train just left the station with the way Baylor shot the ball and Tech just couldn't catch up. You look at some of these other games, Oklahoma uh, gets a game it really needed at home beating BYU. And of course, a little extra, um, you know, emotion around that game with the passing of Toby Keith. We saw the red solo cups on the sidelines. They had a nice tribute to him. They had the seat there with the, uh, you know, the guitar in it. So that was big for Oklahoma to snap, uh, not snap a losing streak, but they had lost three or four games before yeah. that win against a solid BYU team. And then Iowa State on the road beating Texas. Uh, we'll talk about both of them here for a second, but what's with Texas? I mean, Texas is like the antithesis of a Big 12 team in the sense that they can't win at home, but they play really well on the road. I don't know. It's just strange to me. Yeah, I'm not. It's just a they have a general lack of consistency outside of Dylan DeSue and Max Asmus. Uh, yeah. As Asmus, excuse me. Those two guys are money every night. I mean, DeSue had a, an incredible game against Iowa mm -hmm. State. Asmus yeah. had a, a solid game, but there really isn't a third guy that steps up night to night and gives them something at a at an elite level. You know, Tyrese Hunter gives them something one night. Chendall Weaver gives them something one night. Dylan Mitchell gives them something one night. But it, I thought a couple weeks ago maybe they could cobble together a third option based on those three guys, but I, I'm not sure they can at this point. I think they need one of those guys to step up to be a consistent third scoring option for them from game to game. And I mean, a guy that can get them 14, 15 points a game because you can't put all of this on Dylan D'Souza and Max Asmus's shoulders 
uh, for the rest of the season. They're not going to be able to, to uh, sustain it. But, so I think it's really just not having that consistent third option. And, you know, for whatever reason, the home court advantage they enjoyed last year in Big 12 play just is not there this year. It's not. Um, now for the Oklahoma game, you know, OU pulled away from that game late, uh, really had an explosive second half. And, you know, I'm looking at this BYU team, and and even though they lost, I mean, I'll tell you what, Matthew, when I watch this this uh, guy that I'm still new to, this Traore guy who, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not even going to try with the first name. I know BYU fans have commented on past videos. But uh, watching this guy come in off the injury and really make an impact for this BYU team, even off of that loss, I'm like, they got something going here because suddenly it feels like this team will be less reliant on the three-pointer with him now in the mix. He's had some great games here as of late. Yeah, I mean, they're always going to shoot the three, but the advantage of having him inside um, is his size and the fact that, you know, big guys have a gravitational pull, whether it's him, Hunter Dickinson, um, uh, Yves Misi at Baylor. All those guys have a gravitational pull when they're in the paint. So they pull defenders to them. That makes it, that opens up the floor and it makes e- makes it easier for guys to shoot the three, shoot open threes, shoot the threes they want to shoot as opposed to forcing something up over a contest. So, you know, when he's on the floor, I think it allows them to space it better. It'll, it forces defenders to, you know, account for him down mm-hmm. low, perhaps even double team him when he has the ball. And it just makes finding good threes for them a little bit easier. Pete Mundo continuing on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Welcome in. Thanks for being here. We're continuing with Matthew Postens talking about uh, the week that was in the Big 12 with also the games this weekend coming up. Houston blows at Oklahoma State. At the 15-minute mark, an absolutely insane moment from Houston head coach Kelvin Sampson. He stored he lost his mind and he got ejected from the game. I mean, yeah. it was unlike anything I've ever seen because there wasn't anything all that egregious that led up to it. When you look back at that moment, was that just encapsulating what has been frustration from coaches across this conference? Was there a message being sent? What was that all about from Kelvin Sampson? Yeah, that's the best tirade I've seen since Chris Beard fell on the floor a few years ago arguing a call. Uh, that's if you find that video on YouTube, yeah. you can find it on my Twitter account. It's one of the best yeah. tirades I've ever seen. Yeah. You know, the the fouling question was: it looked like uh, an Oklahoma State post player moved a guy on his team forward, and they didn't call it offensive foul. To me, not that egregious that it was missed, but I think Kelvin Sampson took advantage of the opportunity to make a point. And really, this I think this has been building for the last couple of weeks. We kind of talked about this in the text chain. You've got Jerome Tang calling out an official by name for what he called chirping at Cam Carter. You've got Scott Drew being ejected last weekend for stepping out of the coach's box, which frankly, rarely does any official actually enforce that. You've got mm-hmm. Mac Rhodes criticizing officials after the game. And now you've got this from Kelvin Sampson. I think this is, I've never and, seen anything like this in this conference in the seven years I've covered it. Don't forget Porter Mosier got asked yeah. about big 12 officiating on Monday. And he just said, next, next question. I and mean, they're all, send, we're all sending a message, Matthew. None of yeah. them are happy. Yeah. So here's the thing that people should understand. Number one, there are no big 12 officials. They're part of a consortium that they share officials with the Ohio Valley Conference USA. The guy who who 
oversees Big 12 officials, Curtis Shaw. He oversees officials for all four of those conferences. Number two, everybody has a back channel to the conference. So if you're unhappy about officiating, there are ways to handle that with the conference, you know, back when, you know, back in the football season. Um, Tech was not happy with the officiating at a certain game. They sent a bunch of video to the Big 12 saying, here's what we're unhappy with. There are back channels like that in the Big 12 for basketball as well. If you have this kind of critical mass happening right now, this tells me that the coaches and the administrators feel as if either A, the officiating is not up to their standard, like Mac Rhodes said, or B, they've expressed their displeasure with it and they feel like it's not being heard. Good point. So, and if it's not being heard, that's where Kelvin Sampson, I mean, it's kind of like an argument with a girlfriend, boyfriend, wife, husband, where little things build up and then you explode over the dumbest thing Mm -hmm. because you've just allowed things to build. And it felt like that's what it was for Kelvin Sampson. These little things built up. He exploded over something that wasn't a big deal necessarily. And then this is what we end up seeing, you know, um, on the court on Tuesday night because it was, it was wild. He took advantage of an opportunity in a game where he knew he had it won to make yes. a point. And to build on that, Fran Fraschilla, who knows the conference probably better than anybody else, he tweeted out Wednesday after all of that. He said he made three points, and he said this on the air. Big 12 basketball is way too physical the last two weeks. Uncalled illegal screens, box-out tackles, undercutting lob catchers will get somebody hurt soon. It's pervasive and league-wide. That's one. Coaches absolutely need to stay in the coaching box, but this has been a rule all season and has been unenforced until now. That's on the officials. And no, Scott Drew was not out of the coaching box by rule. Third, some assistant in the league need to sit their asses down and stop distracting your head coach. You are not co-coaches, and you were only getting them agitated with the officials. That's the best job you've ever had. Do your job. Oh, I love that from Fran. I hadn't seen that. So Good yeah, for so, him. So if Fran is tweeting that out, then Fran is seeing – you know, Fran talks to all these coaches all the time. So he gets the good and he also gets the frustration. And it could very well be that he's channeling some of that frustration in what he talked about during, I think he was at the Houston game Tuesday night during that game, you know, based on partly in part on what he's hearing from coaches. Cause he used to be a coach himself. Mm-hmm. He understands how all this operates. It just, it just kind of feels like everything's kind of at a critical mass right now. And I feel like the conference almost needs to kind of step forward and address this, not with a, dressy press release, but really just say, this is what our coaches and our, our athletic directors are telling us right now. We're going to try and work on fixing it. And, and I'm here to tell you, there's no analytic analytic transparency in terms of how good or how bad officials are. So it's not out there. I've been researching it all day. It is not out there. Okay. So there's no big 12 officials. There's no analytics around this. So what's it going to take each coach to say, I don't like this guy. I don't like that guy. I don't like this guy. I mean, is, that, that. is it, is it going to have to just that. be eliminating guys they don't like? Uh, it could be. And coaches do have some feedback. You know, you remember John Higgins, his, everybody knows who John Higgins. Yes. Yeah. He's now oh, head brutal. of the Western officiating consortium. So he, he manages officials now for six different conferences. Um, you know, even though fans, Fans don't like any officials, but fans yeah. really gravitated toward not liking him. Yeah. You know, I've heard Fran say coaches want John Higgins on their game because they they like him. They think he's consistent. They think he's that most of the time he gets it right. So coaches do have kind of a do have some input into this as well. So yeah, they could say, I don't want this guy, I don't want this guy, I don't want this guy, but they could also be overruled based on how the officials get assigned. 
Got it. All right. Well, this is definitely worth watching. We'll do that here at heartlandcollegesports.com. By the way, go check out our free message boards at heartlandcollegesports.com. We are talking about this and much more. Once again, free to sign up and join us over there. Matthew, we got a few minutes. Let's talk about the weekend games on Saturday. I mean, the premier matchup is, as you noted, Baylor at Kansas. College game day is going to be in Lawrence on Saturday. Um, I guess we could say that's the obvious game of the week to take a look at, and we'll talk about that at the end. But if you're looking at one of these other games, I'll give you mine first in terms of the game of the week outside of the obvious one. Okay. Um, I'm looking, and, and then you go after me. Deal? Um, Deal. I'm looking at Iowa State hosting TCU because to me, you have these two teams that are separated by a game. TCU had a tough loss last week against Texas. TCU didn't play uh, this week, so they had their kind of bye week that each team has during conference play. And we know that, you know, Iowa State coming off that win against uh, the Longhorns this week, they've won four of their last five, and they're still saying, hey, why not us to win the Big 12? So I love that game. Jamie Dixon taking a tough TCU team um, uh, on the road to Ames on Saturday. What about you? I like the Houston-Cincinnati game just because okay. these two teams are really familiar with each other back in their days in the American Athletic Conference. Um, Cincinnati also coming – I think they had their bye this week as well because I don't think they played in the middle of the week. So they're coming off that win on the road at Texas Tech. Houston's coming off that win against Oklahoma State. But you know, T Houston has found winning on the road to be difficult. Everybody finds that to be difficult. So yeah. I think there's a real opportunity here for Cincinnati with a little momentum from the tech win a week off to rest. They have some guys that they're trying to get healthy, um, uh, including Frederick, their point guard, who would be a, a massive boost for them if they could get him on the floor at some point because they're so familiar with each other. And I don't think Cincinnati looks at Houston like, Oh, wow. They're, they're a notch above us. They were in the same conference for years. So they they're familiar. They're not intimidated by them. And Cincinnati plays really well at home. They just haven't been able to close the deal against a ranked team. Um, at home for the most part this season. So this is a really good opportunity for them to do that. All right. So let's uh, touch on this game. Then the, the big game Baylor at Kansas top 15 matchup. Of course, Baylor's a half game ahead of Kansas in the standings in the big 12. Mm -hmm. This game comes down to fill in the blank. <sighs> this game comes down to Johnny Furphy versus Jacoby Walter. Okay. Um, for Johnny Furphy has been playing great basketball for them in the past few weeks. He's really given them something different on the wing and the perimeter as a shooter and a rebounder. Walter's been kind of inconsistent, but I've seen signs the last couple of games that he's kind of getting over that, that freshman Valley, so to speak. And his play is starting to uptick a little bit. Like I said, I think them moving to the one, three, one zone is helping him because it reduces the amount of things you have to do defensively. You can pursue rather than, rather than try to anticipate. So, you know, I, I think it, I, you know, I think Dickinson and Misi, that's an interesting matchup because they're big guys, but I think they might cancel each other out to a certain degree. I think the matchup of those two guys, I think those two players could really define what happens on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be a heck of a game to watch. And obviously college game day will be in town. So when you look at these other couple of games here, we'll touch on them uh, real quick. Matthew Poston's, UCF, I mean, UCF's at Texas Tech. I, like, this is an interesting game. We're not really talking about UCF and the NCAA tournament, 
But if they win this game, they're five and five in the Big Twelve. Tech is five mm-hmm. and five in the Big Twelve, and right now UCF is half game ahead of Texas in the conference standings. Matthew, I mean, you know, yeah. and I know Knights fans are saying, "Us, hey, don't forget about us." Yeah, it, it's they're they're a really interesting team because yeah. they've got length, they play good defense, uh, they've got two or three guys that can really fill up the basket. Um, you know, I, I I need to see them. They need a game like this. They need a win like this on the road against a ranked team because they've they've beaten ranked teams at home. They've they've challenged teams on the road, but this is the kind of game where you know honestly they could you know create some credentials for themselves with the committee. You know, getting to fourteen wins and uh, you know th- these are the kind of wins the committee wants to see a team like UCF win. A team that's kind of not on the bubble right now, but could be on the bubble if they build a little yeah. momentum. This is that kind of game for them uh, where they could really impress the committee and and help their net and really put themselves in a position to start getting in the conversation. It's almost maybe more impressive beating Tech on the road than beating Kansas at home this year. You could make the argument. Um, if you look at this Bedlam, I you know, Bedlam's interesting just because you're looking at the end of Bedlam this year in all sports, but basketball obviously is not football. Uh, Kansas State at BYU, you know, Kansas, of course, K-State coming off that huge win on Monday against KU, BYU coming off the loss we talked about to Oklahoma. Uh, Two teams that once again, right in the middle of the pack in the standings, kind of K-State not in the tournament, BYU in it. So there's a lot at stake in that game as well, uh, which is the yeah. last game of the night, ESPN2. Yeah, 9 o'clock. Thanks. I'm, I I didn't want to go to bed early. Um. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hey, that's the yeah. new Big 12, man. Just wait till next year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, m- momentum is a funny thing. It's interesting that Kansas State has all this time off between the Kansas game and this game. Um, could be good for them. Could be bad for them. It's really hard to say, but – I think this is a game they need to win more than BYU at this point. I mean, BYU, I feel like is, I don't want to say they're a tournament lock, but I feel like when you look at remaining strength of schedule, guess who has the, the, the easiest strength of schedule remaining among big 12 teams. It's BYU. Oh, now it's 40 number. They're 40th ranked, but it's still, it's BYU. So yeah. You know, they're um, an interesting um, road down the stretch. Sorry about that. ESPN decided to start a video in the middle of Oh, the- that happens all the time. <laughs> but I really feel like this is a game if Kansas State really wants to make a run and go from being on the third tier of the bubble to the second to the first. This is a game they need to win. They just beat a ranked team at home. Beating a ranked team on the road means a little bit more in your net rating. And this could really help boost them up a, a little bit as things are going along here in February. And then, of course, the last game, we're not forgetting about you, West Virginia fans, on the road uh, against Texas. And listen, two teams near the bottom of the standings. Um, Texas still has a very good chance, of course, to be in the big dance. West Virginia, not so much. Uh, It's a West Virginia team that's coming off the bye week after losing to BYU last week. Now they've got a tough stretch ahead of them. West Virginia at Texas, at TCU, home to Baylor. UCF, Iowa State, K-State, it just doesn't end. So um, it is going to be a great Saturday of Big 12 basketball. College game day will, of course, be at Allen Fieldhouse, as we noted. And, Matthew, it's going to be a fun one, man. We uh, we appreciate you, and it's always great to have you here. Yeah, and in West Virginia tends not to play well at Texas, but they have one thing 
this time around that had not had the last time around. They have Jesse Edwards back. Good so point. They, they have size and scoring inside to go up against Dylan DeSue. I think that makes that a very interesting game. It's going to be fun, man. It's going to be fun. Although screw Longhorn Network, as far as I'm concerned, what a gosh! Don't get me started. Iowa, Iowa State has made their final appearance from a men's yeah. standpoint. So good range yeah. to that piece of crap network. All right, Matthew, <laughs> it's always good, man. We'll be watching, we'll be following, and uh, we'll be reading on the website this weekend. All right, appreciate it. You bet. He's Matthew Postens. I'm Pete Mundo. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is where you find us covering the Big 12. Subscribe to the channel before you go. Hit that thumbs up as well. Helps this show. And um, if you're on the podcast, drop us that five-star rating and review. We greatly appreciate you doing that. Enjoy the games. We'll talk to you next week at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. See you later.